That was good to hear. It's good to hear that scripture. And uh, welcome again. Uh, my name is Georgia Condell. Um, I'm the curate here at St. James. Welcome to those in the building, um, particularly if it's your first time you're visiting, and welcome to those at home. Uh, I am feeling particularly old at the moment. I'm looking out at this baptism party and thinking, I remember some of them from teaching them at Sunday school. <laughs> and it makes me feel very old. Um, it's nice to see Adam sat on a chair. <laughs> so he didn't do much of that at Sunday school, to be fair. <laughs> anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about. Um, I hope some of you will have a look around um, at the Art Exhibition as well. We've, um, over the last um, couple of days, we've opened up the church to the community um, and we've been having a pandemic-themed um, art exhibition here with um, members of the community submitting art and also their own experience um, during the um, pandemic. Of course, we're not out the other end yet, but um, it's been really interesting to meet people, talk to people, both the artists and people visiting the church, about their experiences, to be able to pray with them, um, to be able to mourn with some of them. Um, because it's been a tough time, and it continues to be a really tough time, doesn't it? Just wonder how many times you have um, listened to a sermon. If you've been a Christian as long as I have, it's probably hundreds, if not thousands. Perhaps this is your first time of listening to a sermon, in which case I apologize. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that it's quite difficult when you're listening to someone else speak, even if it's not a sermon, if you're sitting in a lecture or something else. And I find that inevitably there's some sort of internal monologue going on. So I don't know what yours is like today. Yours might be, oh, I thought Dan was going to speak this morning. Oh, it's a bit disappointing. Oh, I hope she's not going to speak for too long. I'm not. I hope she smiles a bit. I hope I can hear her. I hope it's interesting. Last weekend, I had the privilege of being ordained priest at Winchester Cathedral. And prior to my ordination, you go on a retreat. Uh, and usually that's to a nice quiet place. Um, we were all booked into a nunnery and we were looking forward to being quiet and reflective. Well, COVID had other ideas, and we ended up in the Holiday Inn um, for three days, and uh, we had um, a speaker come. So we had three days of, speak, of um, listening to uh, this chap, as well as some time to pray and reflect. Now, uh, this chap I'd never heard of before, I hadn't met him before, uh, and he was speaking for an hour at a time. Just rest assured, I'm not going to speak to you for a whole hour. Um, and my inner monologue, sadly, initially, was not desperately positive. Uh, he had um, a particular way of speaking that I found quite difficult to listen to. And um, I was sat there going, oh, I'm just really tired. I'm disappointed we're not having this nice quiet, reflective time before I get ordained. And that was my initial reaction. And then I caught myself and I thought, no, that's the wrong attitude, Georgia. That's not why you're here. And I said to God, please change my attitude. 
please let me hear what you have to say to me. Because we are, even those of us that um, have been Christians a long time, we're often very shallow, aren't we? We look at the packaging and not the gift. And I was so busy looking at the outward that I wasn't listening in to the gift of what he had to tell me and what God had to tell me, more importantly, through him. So I want to encourage you this morning. This is my get-out clause, you see. If this is a rubbish preach, I'll say, well, you clearly weren't listening to what God had to say. But that isn't my get-out, is it? Because actually, we get distracted, don't we, by the packaging, or that shiny packaging, or that slick delivery. Think about some of the uh, speakers you've heard who are perhaps very slick, have all the technology, but actually, have you gone away having heard from God? Has it changed you? Because that's what should be happening. You should be hearing from God. And my prayer is this morning that whatever you think of me or whatever you think of the service, that you go away having been touched by God, having heard from God for yourself in your situation. And that's pretty much the situation here in the passage that we've just heard. The Corinthians are looking at the packaging and not the gift. The Corinthians were quite um, a young church. It was a church in Greece, in mainland Greece. It had been planted by Paul, and he had um, taught and nurtured them for, he spent at least 18 months in that church, um, bringing on leaders like Aquila and Priscilla, who led the church. Um, it was a very cosmopolitan place, very wealthy place. There were a lot of issues in this church. In the New Testament, there are two letters of Paul. We were hearing about the letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And they speak of a church that has all sorts of issues. There are divisions, there's sexual immorality, there's greed, there's even accounts of some of the Christians taking one another to court. And into this mix, we find some sort of super apostles coming in. So Paul talks about these super apostles in the previous chapter. Now, we don't find out an awful lot about them. They are clearly going around and preaching the word. Uh, they seem, the Corinthians particularly, seem very impressed by their visions and their revelations. And these apostles seem to come with all the bells and whistles. They're very slick, they're very professional, and they're very confident. And Paul finds himself compared to these slick super apostles. And he doesn't come out well. Now, I can't imagine that, can you? If you saw that next week St. Paul was coming to preach at St. James by the Park, I think you would all be clamoring to book a seat. And yet here he is, the Corinthians saying, well, you're not very good at preaching. Usually when we come, we can't hear you properly. 
or you speak too fast. This is Paul. Paul, whose dramatic conversion led to him planting churches across all sorts of countries in the Roman Empire at the time. Paul, who had an amazing preaching ministry, whose letters make up the bulk of the New Testament. This is Paul, who healed people. This is Paul, who raised someone from the dead. Now, ironically, the chap who he raised from the dead had fallen asleep in one of Paul's sermons and fell out the window. Uh, If you want to find out about that story, it's in Acts 20. Um, It's quite amusing, and thankfully... He does get raised from the dead. (laughs) I hope nobody's going to do that today. So that's the context of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. Paul is feeling the need to defend himself against this comparison. And he starts by feeling the need to somehow talk about his own experience of visions and revelations. But what he really wants is for the Corinthians not to be looking at that outward packaging, but actually to be thinking about the inner gift, the gift of God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit. So he begins his defense using the same techniques that those super apostles have been doing by boasting about his credentials in Christ. And he talks about this amazing vision he had where he is transported to the third heaven. Now, Jewish scriptures talk about a variety of numbers of heaven. Sometimes they talk about three heavens, sometimes they talk about seven heavens. Um, Paul is clearly referring to the third heaven, and what he means by that is the throne room of God. Very much as in Revelation, John uh, has this vision of being in the throne room before God. And that's pretty much all we find out about this vision because it's not really what Paul wants to boast about. Now, he talks about it in the third person, but it's pretty clear from later on in the passage that he's actually talking about himself. But it's not a boast he's comfortable with. In fact, he spends very little time talking about it and says he's not really going to tell us much about it because he's been prevented from. What he does spend a lot of time in the previous chapter boasting about is actually his weaknesses. He talks about his times of danger and his times of despair and his sufferings. He flips, if you like, this idea of boasting on its head. And that's novel in our society, isn't it? I don't know, we're not a very boastful nation, are we, the English? We don't like to blow our own trumpet too much. Or if we do, it's in a very self-deprecating sort of way. But boasting is part of our culture, isn't it? People like to talk about their successes. They like to talk about the things they've done well. The jobs they do well. The money they're making. We laud um, celebrities, don't we, for their achievements. Can you imagine us living in a society where we boast about our weaknesses? Let's imagine that. What would that look like? Imagine coming up to someone and saying, 
I don't know if you realize this, but I am the world champion at falling over. I don't want to boast, but I'm brilliant at being really shy. Now, I usually keep quiet about this one, but I just wanted you to know that I am really good at putting my foot in it. It's interesting, isn't it, to think that Paul boasts in weakness. Now, what was that weakness he talks about in this passage? He describes it as a thorn in the flesh. Now, theologians for centuries have been debating what that thorn in the flesh might be. There's lots of different suggestions about that. Nobody really knows, and I'm not sure how helpful it is to debate about it. It does appear that it's some sort of physical disability. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul says this, You know it was because of a physical infirmity that I first announced the Now, I'm not sure how helpful it is to know what that was, but I think what we, we, we look at in this passage, there's three things I want us to think about. That thorn in the flesh was not sent by God. God does not give us suffering. It's not in his nature. It is. I want you to encourage you that that is not something that God chooses. Sometimes he allows it. If you think about Job in the Old Testament, God allowed Job's suffering. He did not send it. Just as with Paul, whatever it was he was suffering from, God did not send it. That was Satan. It says, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. And if you've ever been told that your illness has been sent by God, I want you to encourage you to rethink that. Psalm 119 tells us that God is good and everything he does is good. That is the character of the God that I love and know. But there's a but. Sometimes he allows it. And here he is allowing it for Paul. Paul says that he prayed three times to be healed from this. Now, three times in the Bible doesn't mean Paul just sort of rattled off three prayers and went, oh, well, God's not going to do it. That's it. It, It's kind of three is symbolic of a lot. Paul prays a lot about this. But God gives him a, I'm not doing that for you. Now, it's interesting that in the Greek here, um, in this passage, um, the Greek has lots and lots of tenses, and particularly lots of past tenses. And the past tense used here is something called the perfect tense. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it's important here. Because the perfect tense indicates something that is true now, but is also going to be true for the future. So in other words, when God says no, he's saying to Paul, I'm not healing you now or in the future. You're going to have to learn to live with this. And as we'll come on to look at, God can do amazing things even in our weakness. Now, I know that's not easy to hear. 
And I know for those of you that are suffering from chronic illness, that's really hard to hear. That may not be God's answer for you. God heals. I've seen him heal me. I spent 13 years with chronic back pain on multiple drugs. I probably rattled when I walked. During that time, people prayed for me constantly. And often that was a not yet. But after 13 years, God healed me dramatically. And I praise God for that. But I'm also conscious that I have friends for whom that has not been the case. God loves you in the midst of that weakness. And I want to tell you that, that God loves you in the midst of that. And it may be that God's going to heal you very soon. It may be the not yet. It may be the not this side of heaven. Here's the final bit. God can use our weakness for his glory. Paul did not get healed this side of heaven. But did he let this stop God using him? No. In fact, he recognized that even in his weakness, God's power could be revealed. As Christians, we live as part of God's countercultural kingdom. The things that this world value, success, achievements, being the best at sports and work and earning money, they are not the things that God values. What about us? What about us, those of us that profess to be Christians? What do we value? What are we going to boast in? Do we boast just in the things that we're good at? Do we rely on those things that we feel gifted and confident in? Or are we going to boast in our weakness and allow God's power to be seen through that? I want to challenge us especially those of us who so often say, God can't use me, I'm too shy, I'm too dumb, I'm too young, I'm too old. God wants to say to you that his power is shown through weakness. And if we give what we have to God, it's a bit like that, that um, miracle of the loaves and fishes. That boy, in the midst of 5,000 plus people, must have thought, well, my tuna fish sandwiches are not going to feed this multitude, are they? And yet he offered what he had. Jesus blessed it, and it fed a multitude. And it's a bit like that with us. If we give to Jesus what we have, he can do amazing things. Back when I was a, a teen, I was painfully shy. I know it seems hard to believe now, but I was a painfully shy teen. Um, I've had a look back at some of my reports recently, and they read things like, 
Georgia should try to speak up occasionally and put her hands up in class. Uh, and I was really shy. Uh, to the extent that in my early 20s, I was getting panic attacks when I went into a crowded room. Now, I was a Christian, and when I gave that to God, he began to work through it. Now, it didn't mean I was automatically stopped being shy. I think deep down, I still am. But I gave it to God, and God can work through your weakness. So let me encourage you, give whatever you feel is your weakness, whether that's physical, whether that's a personality trait, whether it's your situation, can I encourage you, give that to God. He may take that situation away, he may not, but he will use it. He will use it to display his power and you will see him blessing people through you. And we're just going to listen to a song now. And I'd encourage you as we do that, um, just to, um, if you're not a Christian, maybe to think about, what does that mean? Maybe to think of some of the things you've heard about the different values. And if you are, God may have said something. He may have dropped something into your heart during that I pray that he has. Um, just give that to him. Amen. Amen.